can I do this? Especially having all of the intersecting identities that I do, is there a place a place for me in this industry? Can I succeed? I remember my very first critique, architectural critique, standing in front of four white men and presenting my idea. And it wasn't a great critique, but yeah, I just remember after that thinking, is this what my entire career will be? Putting my ideas and yeah, putting my ideas out there to be judged by white, cisgendered, heterosexual men. I'd like to be the first to welcome you to Design Nerds Anonymous, the podcast that sparks curiosity at the intersection of business and design. I'm your host, Amanda Schneider, founder and president at ThinkLab, the research division of Sandow, and sister company to design brands you know and love, like Interior Design, Metropolis, Material Bank, and more. And I'd like to be the second person to welcome you to Design Nerds Anonymous. My name is Hannah Vitti, and I've been Amanda's right hand throughout the season. I'm the audio journalist engineer producing Design Nerds Anonymous with ThinkLab. You'll hear my voice throughout the season. In this podcast, we've invited trailblazers from within the design industry and beyond to engage in conversations and explore the topics that will drive our future. At ThinkLab, our passion is sharing inspiration for your business, fuel for your design process, and connections with people and ideas for positive disruption. So thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. This is a bonus episode that will feel a bit different than some of the others this season. In our interview with Libby Gillen from our episode, Diversity in Design, you may remember Libby talking about her mentee. Well, we interviewed her. Her name's Alana. And it was so good a really honest conversation about her experience and holding space for multiple identities at once. When we're open to it, there are abundant opportunities to engage different perspectives on diversity and dig deeper about how schools can help or even think about design's role in advocating for equality. So Alana, thanks so much for sharing your experience so openly and sharing your perspective. We think all of our listeners will enjoy hearing your story. So here we go. Let's dive in. My name is Alana Van. I am 22 years old and I just graduated from Brown University in May. Probably in middle school slash more towards high school. I was fortunate enough to travel a lot with my family overseas. I think that I was always looking up and looking at the details of buildings in the cities, you know, pointing them out to my family and being like, look at that, isn't that um, beautiful or cool? And my family's like, yeah, and like moving on, we're going to this monument or whatever. So I kind of recognized early that I specifically cared more about, I guess, the city and buildings and what they looked like and um, also how I felt within them. I can be, you know, somewhere overseas looking in a library and feel connected to the people there. And I think that architecture and good design really enhances that. And that's something that I recognize whenever I travel. 
I, I remember even being maybe in 10th grade and going to a career fair and talking to um, a master's student in architecture and her talking about how difficult and how much time it is, but that it's worth it. And me thinking like, yes, I can do that. And I think it wasn't actually until I was older that maybe some doubt crept in when you get to see the breakdown of diversity in the workplace that I I maybe had those doubts of, can I do this? But I think that just having a really great group of friends around me um, that I went through the architecture program with and also through mentorship, I have really, yeah, thought that it is possible and really stuck to that. Growing up in Australia, I was just always the token black girl. Um, In terms of demographics, Australia doesn't have a large population of people of African descent. So when I was thinking about design and my place in that world, I was just purely going off my interest and my creativity and in terms of architecture specifically, wanting to kind of put together my analytical side with my creative side. Um, And I think even though growing up there, I knew that I would always be the only black girl in the workplace. It wasn't a reflection of, you know, systemic oppression, more of just demographics and opportunity. In saying that, though, if I were Aboriginal in Australia, it would be a completely different discussion because they are subject to the same kind of institutionalist and systemic racism um, that Native Americans and Black people in the US are. So with all that considered, I never yeah, doubted my place in the design world or I guess even thought critically about how design leads into every aspect of life and can negatively impact, negatively impact communities and actively oppress. I was just very much thinking of it from the standpoint of this is what I'm interested in. I want to solve issues, but in my head, the issues were, you know, environmental things. And so then when I came to the US, I was then reckoning with what it meant to be a black woman in the US. I'm mixed race and so my mother is white and my father is African-American and he actually died when I was very young. So I was in Australia trying to figure out what it meant to be a black woman by myself and then came to the US and was relearning and I'm still learning because as you know college is a bubble in itself and then going out into the real world that's a whole different story so um, I think coming here to the US really understanding how the built environment can be harmful and actively reinforce structural racism. And so kind of realizing that and the extent of that impact, but then also reckoning with my place in the design world, like 
when I when I learned the statistic that 0.4% of all architects are black females, I just couldn't believe it. And then recently I found out what that number actually amounts to. It's only about 500 women. So then I definitely had the thought process of can I do this, especially having all of the intersecting identities that I do? Is there a place a place for me in this industry? Yeah, can I succeed? I guess I remember my very first critique, architectural critique, standing in front of four white men and presenting my idea. And it wasn't a great critique, but yeah, I just remember after that thinking, is this what my entire career will be putting my ideas and yeah, putting my ideas out there to be judged by white, cisgendered, heterosexual men. Or I guess what I'm trying to say is that my confidence and my ability to be in this world, this design world has changed with my country of residence. I actually met my current mentor through my girlfriend because they are neighbors. And that connection has benefited me in so many ways. Um, I think that just having a successful black female designer in the field as a role model and as a mentor has really empowered me. I think that mentorship specifically has kind of bridged some gaps and in terms of giving me knowledge and insight into the industry and just the transferal of knowledge also. And yeah. for people who um, were only listening to this and couldn't see, like as soon as you started talking about your mentor, your face lit up. And, <laughs> and I think that's always a great um, sign. Are we talking about Libby right now? Yes. We okay, awesome. Yeah. So tell me more about Libby. I think at first I was very nervous and I think taking it from a more professional standpoint, like I was still working on my portfolio and I would just be scared. I'm like, she's going to ask for my portfolio. She's going to be mad that I'm still working on it. And here I am still polishing it up. But I just used to be so scared to, I don't know, I guess I was taking it from the standpoint of like, I need to deliver things and I'm going to get in trouble. But so I think once I got over that, our, our relationship really blooms. I, um, Libby is so generous and kind and we have really, really great discussions just about all kinds of things. And I think what's been really great is that it's also kind of been a reflexive relationship in terms of we've both taught each other things. And I think something that has been really impactful to me, the webinars that she has connected me to where I learned things about myself that I otherwise would not have known. Um, like I recently, back in June, attended the Neocon 
webinars and one of them was on neurodiversity and if I hadn't have attended that one I wouldn't have known that I was neurodiverse that was really great and now that's something that I think about and yeah that's something that I can now take to workspaces and kind of understand myself and my perception of things in design so just small things like that that have been really I guess, life-changing and eye-opening. Do you feel like you're going to be eager and excited to find people that you can kind of be a Libby to or a mentor to down the road? Do you have people in your life that you already mentor in some kind of capacity? Yeah, I definitely am a mentor for this young woman in Australia who also went to my private school. And so this is a, yeah, an Australian private school, predominantly white, and she is also mixed race like me. And yeah, so we're the two, the only two black girls in the school. And I mentored her from maybe sixth grade. And I think she just graduated this past year. And that's been a really great relationship to have. And even though I'm overseas, we still check in with each other and um, support each other. And I think it goes both ways because that was beneficial for me to, to mentor someone. Um, and cause I definitely struggled with that growing up in Australia and just even seeing someone walk down the street who looked like me, even just eye contact and a smile really did something for me. So the opportunity to kind of pass on that knowledge and insight and empower her as well has been great and that's been a really great relationship too that I've loved nurturing. I actually was connected to a Brown alum who compiled a entire extensive document on anti-racist design resources and that for me has been an absolute lifeline i think yeah being a black woman in architecture and on top of the other identities um, can really make you feel alone Yeah, going to school with a, a couple of other Black women, even in that environment, you still just feel kind of alone. And so this um, anti-racist anti design resource has been really great for me because it connected me to all of the events and the webinars and the communities that are talking about this. Um, like I've signed up for the designers protest national call to get on and do that work so it was it has been really really encouraging and refreshing and has given me well reignited that spark that no i'm not alone yes it may be difficult but there are movements happening there are people dedicated to this and there is a community for me that I can be a part of and lean on and learn from. So that's been really great. Like I even went to a portfolio and design webinar just to go through that for Black and Latinx people. So that was, yeah, really great. 
I think it's so powerful to find resources like that that really yeah. kind of just illuminate that like wow there are other people who really care about these same kinds of issues yeah and we're in a moment where people are mobilizing and things are actively happening that that statistic that you shared with us about 0.4 percent of all um, architects are black women mm-hmm. um it's upsetting you know it's like it's frustrating it makes me think about you know how do we change that number and if if it was like let's say that we had all like the money and resources in the world that we needed to change that number what do you feel like as a black woman who's just gone through an architecture program what do you think we need in these programs or even before these programs to help change that number to help um you know we could see something like 20% or 25% or 30, however big we want. What do you think are the barriers right now to raising that number? Yeah, starting with design schools um, specifically. I think that design schools, we really need to confront how design practice reinforces structural racism through the built environment and we need to restructure the way that not only design is taught, but how it is also, or how it also plays out in practice. So I think that is one major barrier. So one major barrier to black people getting involved in architecture, because you get into this space and the way that design is currently being taught just reinforces white supremacy and neocolonialism and all of the harmful things. And if you are, as a designer, actively trying to push against that, it is seen as radical. And yeah, so I think that starting with there in the curriculum um, and just redesigning that is a great place. And then I think then also in practice, it it's important to elevate Black people who are already in the design industry. I think that if architects and architectural firms actively seek to collaborate with Black designers and then also compensate them for the work that they have done is another place where that can be improved. Seeing all of these firms kind of release their their statements on standing in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement is great, but then also show me your board of directors, you know, show me who you elevate and is there the opportunity not only for Black and even Latinx people to be in these spaces, but then also, yeah, pushed through the ranks and elevated. Um, So I think also for people who are thinking about design. And if you are a young black individual looking at, you know, higher education and getting into a certain field and you're looking at design and then you're looking at statistics and seeing that, wow, okay, there are 500 black architects, female architects. Can I be one of them or should I go into engineering where I might have a better chance of making it? So I think it's really about not only visibility in the current um, professional industry and 
and then increasing that diversity, but then also going back to design schools and restructuring the way that we teach and think about design. And I think that restructuring the way we teach design will not only be beneficial, obviously, to people like myself who already carry these all these different identities and different perspectives, but then also to the white designers too. You know, we have a responsibility as designers, designers to design for a just world, and that is not how it is currently taught or carried out. Absolutely, because it's one thing to recruit, you know, black students, but it's once they get to those classrooms and Mm -hmm. everything is just reinforcing, like you said, white supremacy and not allowing space to, you know, discuss what's wrong or or include black faculty or black designers, then it's kind of like, what's going to keep those students in the Mm -hmm. curriculum? And then I would also add to that, that there then needs to be the opportunity for Black and Latinx youth to have internships and paid internships. So it's about actively having those programs for that demographic so that they also have the opportunity to build their skills because that's also a big deterrence is in the architecture field. It's all about connections and um, your ability to maybe yeah, live at home and do unpaid work so that the next time you can get a paid internship and without the opportunity to do that, there are a lot of um, youth, black youth and Latinx youth being left behind in the industry. It's interesting because I have so many different intersecting identities. Like I am an international, mixed race, neurodiverse, gay, black woman, came from a low income background. So holding on to all of those things and coming into any space, I essentially, not that I have to prioritize, but they don't all come through at the same time. I don't know, I often joke with people, like I, when I enter a room with, you know, cis, het, white people, and if you were to take, you know, a diversity sheet and tick the boxes of all the identities in the room, they would all be there, but I'm the one bringing all, all of them. So yeah, I think about that a lot and carrying all of the different ones. And I think that in an ideal world, each one of my identities would be reflected in at least one other person. So yes, I may be the one that has all of these intersecting ones, but then there's also this black person and this neurodiverse person and then this um, international person who is also queer and Yeah, I think that's what an ideal workspace looks like. Yeah, when my identities are reflected in other people too. Again, a special and sincere thank you to Alana Vaughn for sharing her story. We hope this inspires you to think differently. 
Maybe you want to learn more? And definitely listen and look for stories like hers. How can you support the full identities of all of the people you encounter or design for? Thanks for listening.